on the way to great renaissance, this century, with your host, DC Radical One. Greetings, Black family, and welcome to On the Wake Up Radio. I am your host, DC Radical One, and you have entered the center. Shout out to our wonderful producer, Cindy Ashby. You can check us out on SoundCloud, YouTube, iTunes Podcast, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and iHeartRadio at On the Wake Up Radio. In addition to that, now you can check us out at otwtube.com, where I have a page. I have an OTWTube page. I have content on the OTWTube page and also at onthewickhamradio.com, where you can check out this uh, broadcast um, currently, if you're not joining us here on YouTube. Uh, so starting off, gotta say a BB for Hodier to you got ripped off. Greetings to our wonderful producer Cindy Ashby, BB for Hodier, straight black pride to uh, brother Kevin. Uh, peace and black power, straight black pride to brother Patrick, BB for Hodier, and straight black pride to sister Vanessa. Uh, BB for Hodier, straight black pride to uh, brother Elijah. And I thought I saw Unique One Express in the building. Greetings to Unique One Express. And that looks like everybody thus far. So um, today, you know, this was not my original topic. Uh, I didn't see anybody. I guess I guess the sound is good because nobody said it's not. Um, This was not my original topic, but. I was talking to somebody and what I realized is that the Biden administration has been in office for six months. And I, to be completely honest, had not been paying attention to what they were doing whatsoever. And so I said, well, you know what, let me let me look and see. You know, try to get an overview and see what's been going on, what they've been doing. And I came to the conclusion that if I don't know what's going on. Most black people don't know what's going on and haven't been paying attention. And which means they could do whatever they want in plain sight. So I said, you know what? Let's look at it. Let's get a basic overview. Let's look at not even like the undercover hidden stuff, but the basic stuff that's going on. And um, just take a look at what they're doing. Because as we know, a lot of things happen to black people because we're not paying attention. <laughs> just, just plain and simple. We, we don't know. A lot of things happen to us because we don't know. And so, um, you know, straight right pride. Um, we pride ourselves on finding out what's going on and disseminating and getting the message to the people. And uh, this will be one of those shows. Now, I know it's not the most popular topic in the world. Okay, I'm wonderful producer says I'm clear. So before we get into the show proper, uh, allow me to make some announcements. So as we all know, everyone here knows anyway, I think, um, 21st, um, excuse me, 7th annual Straight Black Pride Convention is coming up on August 21st, Saturday, August 21st, 2021, uh, at 2 p.m. Doors open at 2 p.m. And uh, 
we'll be going most of the day. And this year's theme is the return of the black man. And we'll be featuring four outstanding brothers. Like I'm talking about really outstanding brothers. Uh, BB48, Allen, uh, Michael Graves, he'll be speaking. Baba Olatunji, Mwaba, he'll be speaking. Brother Louis Ali, and probably um, concluding will be Brother Darren Muhammad. Now, I'm not actually sure right now in what order each person will be speaking, but these are four powerful black men, uh, scholars, warriors, teachers, businessmen, um, very accomplished. Of course, Brother Jeannie will be giving some remarks. Uh, and of course, someone I know very well will be attending and uh, will probably have a mic in his hand at some point uh, during during this event. Excuse me. bb 48 2 of bb 48 man. Glad you were able to join us. Um, so again, that is 7th Annual Straight Black Pride Convention. It will be at uh, E-Life Plant Based Soul Food Restaurant, which is at 9185 Central Avenue, Capitol Heights, Maryland, 20743. Tickets are $25 in advance via Eventbrite and $35 at the door, which I think is a pretty good deal considering we're talking about a um, all-day event. And um, there's some other additional things that we will have in addition to the speakers and we'll announce that as those plans are finalized and we have commitments from people that they'll be able to um, do what we want them to do to um, to enhance the experience of those who attend. So if you in, if you especially if you on the East Coast, you definitely want to come out and um, and fellowship with us and enjoy this event and you definitely learn something you'll take something away from it and uh, if you've never been to a straight black pride event i try to tell people um you know you don't know until you know you don't know until you experience it and people tell me all the time oh yeah i'm coming blah 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 we have events you know of course during the pandemic we couldn't have as much but you know people are like oh i'm gonna come i'm gonna come then when they come then like, oh when next time you're gonna do something? I'm like, we've been doing something for years. Now, when the next time you're gonna do something? So that's how it goes. So if you are coming to the Straight Black Pride Convention, um, I will see you there. And again, tickets are available via Eventbrite. For any additional information, you can uh, email unity at straightblackpride.com. That's unity at straightblackpride.com. And I will um, I will put the link in the um, in the description of this live stream. Also, tomorrow um, I have a video that I finally was able to edit and upload, premiering tomorrow night at eight o'clock. And it's another radical report, and the radical report is about. The homophiles finally admit that they're after your children. I say your children because I don't have children. So they're after your children. And they're after my children that aren't even born yet. So um, that video ended up being much longer than I thought it was going to be. I literally want to make 
a 10 minute video to address a video that the homophiles had put out that 10 minute video in the end up being 30 minutes because I added in some additional research and some historical context to what they said. I think, right, y'all know I don't really big up myself that much. I think this is a very profound, needed, and um, probably the best video, video I have done. It's right up there with the other video with that show the uh, pedophile symbols in it. It's right up there with that. May, this may be even be a little better because just because, um, just because they we have the video documentation of them admitting what you know what we've been saying for a long time. Uh, brother, you got ripped off. Says, yeah, I will. I will. It's not really a lecture, but yeah, we'll be doing um, the chopping it up session the day after the convention that monday night at 6 p.m at the same place at everlasting life cafe thank you for that brother i do have uh somewhere in here i somewhere in this phone i have the um i have the uh, uh advertisement the flyer but i wasn't able to find it so yeah so if you're in there and you and you want to stick around the extra day you will get to see me uh, give a little presentation and lead a discussion um, the day after, well, not the day after the convention, the Monday, so two days after the convention. So, yeah, that's what's happening with that. Uh, have I missed anybody else? I see the numbers increasing, but I don't see any other people in the chat. So the first thing I want to do, right? Uh, okay. Uh, peace, peace and blessings, Brother Crow. I see him in the building. Peace of T. Lanubia. Okay, so that's all right. They just showed up in the chat. So the first thing I want to do is actually I wanted to go back to last week. Right now, I know we're talking about what Biden and them are doing, but I wanted to go back to last week. Last week, we talked about Haiti. We talked about the, what we thought was going on in Haiti and why we thought the president was killed. Right. And we came to a conclusion. So the first story we're going to look at pretty much, I believe, verifies our uh, uh, conclusion that we came to last week. So let me load this up. And if you can, let's see, my bad. All right. It says first vaccinations given in Haiti since start of the pandemic. Now, remember last week we were like, no, what's the reason why the president was killed and we went through the history and the gold and the mineral wealth. And then we realized that no vaccines had been given out in Haiti. And I came to the conclusion that that was intentionally done by the leader and that he was slow playing it. Well, he's dead. And next thing you see, what does it say? January, I mean, excuse me, July 16th, 2021. Updated at seven o'clock. So this is what? Uh, not quite two days ago. Uh, it says healthcare workers and senior citizens were the first people vaccinated on Friday in Haiti as part of a test run after the after the country recently received half a million doses from the United Nations. The vaccinations were given to more than thirty people at the 
Hospital, University of Peace in the capital of Port-au-Prince, Haiti, under the supervision of Haiti's health ministry. The Pan-African Health Organization told the Associated Press. On Wednesday, Haiti received its first vaccine doses since the pandemic began as part of a U.S. donation to the United Nations COVAX program for low-income countries. A PAHO spokeswoman previously told the AP that they were all modern vaccines. Stop right there. Why would you even have to say um, that they're all modern vaccines as opposed to what other type of vaccines? So me reading this means that these they're actually giving them the new. Oh, excuse me. I read that wrong. It says they're all Moderna vaccines. My bad. So that's my mistake. My reading error says vaccinations will continue through the weekend. Haiti has reported more than 19,300 confirmed coronavirus cases and more than 480 deaths amid the biggest wave of COVID-19 cases since the pandemic began, which is not really a lot of people. And we discussed that yesterday, 480 deaths, the country the size of Haiti. People die of all types of things for that. But, of course, the experts say they believe the numbers are widely underreported since they're scant testing Haiti, which has more than 11 million people. So out of 11 million people, there are less than 20,000 confirmed cases. But in the midst, right, of, in the midst of, um, Political upheaval in the list in the midst of political intrigue, in the midst of the president being killed, um, in the midst of all this upheaval and all these things going on. What did they say? Um, hey, we got some vaccines for you. Like your your country's been destabilized, your president has been murdered. The investigation is kind of leading back to the doorstep of the people who have donated the vaccines. But hey, take these vaccines. So I just found that interesting because we literally talked about that last week. And voila, here we are. Vaccines for Haiti immediately. And brother, brother, you got ripped off, said you're part of the village, brother, so they're your children too. Indeed, brother, indeed. Greetings to Lord Bell. Glad you could join us. So I found that interesting. So one thing we see for sure, without question, is the Biden administration is making sure that everybody, especially everybody black, gets vaccinated no matter where they are. So that was the first story I wanted to go over because it was so... I mean, it was so it was so interesting that we literally had this discussion and said, oh, it's probably because they haven't taken the vaccines and boom, vaccines show up within days of the discussion. Right. So that's one of that's one of the things we see. Black Haiti is a black country. They're pushing the vaccines immediately, even despite saying that the number of, of cases and the number of deaths are extremely low. And my thing is with that is they're like the number of cases is uh they're like the number of cases 
they believe are being underreported. But let's put it this way. If because Haiti's infrastructure is very poor and Haiti's medical infrastructure is very poor. If COVID was a major problem, without question, their medical infrastructure would have been completely overrun immediately. But it wasn't. So that speaks for itself, in my opinion. Right? So that's one thing that we know that they're they're doing. So let's look at our next story. Biden says that social media platforms are killing people. President Biden on Friday said that social media companies that allow coronavirus misinformation to spread on their platforms are killing people, escalating a fight with Facebook and other companies as the White House warned about the spread of inaccurate information about COVID-19 vaccines. Biden was asked by reporters at the White House on Friday afternoon what his message is to social media platforms on coronavirus information, which I find it interesting that 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 question would be asked randomly about him. So I have to believe that somebody there was a plant there in order to force to ask him that. Um, And then he says they're killing people. The only pandemic we have is among the unvaccinated and they're killing people. Um, That if (laughs) this is to me, the definition of a hyperbolic statement. Now, I'm not on Facebook, but I'm on Instagram, which is on my Facebook, as you can see along the bottom here. And you cannot mention the vaccine without them putting a label on your your post. In fact, you can barely mention anything about health without them throwing a label on your post. They threw the label on a post one time that had nothing to do with the vaccine. And I had to go back and look. I was like, well, what did I post? And I looked at the post and I just was like, you know what? Whatever. But according to him, that is not enough. In fact, you know what? I have the video of that because it's very short. So I'm going to let you all see the video of him saying this. And it's a very short clip. So we're going to bring that up right now. What's your message to platforms like Facebook? They're killing people. I mean, it really, they really, look. The only pandemic we have is among the unvaccinated, and that's and they're, and they're killing people. Yeah. Um, I, I, I just find it fascinating, man. And it's something else he said that. I haven't seen, I've seen people say that, but I haven't actually seen any data to support this. So this seems to be more of a talking point than a data point, but they keep saying that uh, one, COVID numbers are rising and COVID numbers are rising uh, where people, parts of the country where people are more against vaccination. But what they haven't said, but he just said, 
is that they, there hasn't been a corresponding rise in deaths from what I see. But according to the president, Facebook is responsible for killing people because they allow people to speak freely about information that they have received in research in regards to the vaccine. I just want y'all to think about this here. The sitting president of the United States said that people who are speaking, in essence, said that people are speaking out freely and doing research and spreading the information are ki- are killing people. Now, let's think about this, because this is the same president who you will see shortly is going to advocate for more funding for the people who we know actually do kill people. But according to him, Facebook's killing people. Now, I'm going to be honest. I'm not a fan of Facebook. I don't have a Facebook account. I've never had a Facebook account. But it's the principle because it's not an attack on Facebook. It's an attack on free speech. It's an attack on the Second Amendment. Lord Vail, you jumped ahead of me again. We're we're going to get to that. We're going to get to that shortly. So, again, I... We're just looking at, we're looking at the record after six months. I just, like I said, when I saw that statement, I was like, wow, really? Wow. So we're going to move forward um, and get to our next story. (laughs) And brother, you got ripped off, said that's the only line he can remember. You know, before I go to the next story, is it me? Y'all tell me. Now, I've been around a long time. Greetings to Sister Poetry. Now, I'm going to tell you how long how long I've been around based by the presidents that I remember hearing speak. Um, Reagan. Uh, Bush won <laughs> the first Bush. Uh, Clinton. Bush two, Obama, and um, Trump, and this guy. Now, that's a vast mix of people of different ages and all types of other stuff, different intellectual capacities. Does not, and yeah, y'all tell me, maybe I'm tripping. Does not Biden seem diminished mentally? from when he was with Obama. Like, doesn't it seem like he did some, you know, he slowed down, (laughs) let's put it it that way. Or is it just me? Because when I listen to him, it's painful to listen to him speak because I'm like, is he all right? That's really what I be thinking. Like Trump, I found entertaining. Trump is what he is, you know, his personality, he is what he is. You know what I'm saying? I can't really say (laughs) what I think without being vulgar, I don't say it, but I, one thing about Trump, it's weird. He, he has this weird thing with loyalty though. This is he, Trump's a very unique person, but that's neither here nor there. But Biden seems like he's having some, um, cognitive issues. And when he speaks, it's very painful to watch. And he doesn't really seem like as much as they like, they as much as all these people always like like it seems like almost every president someone comes out like this person ain't fit for office 
this is the person that does not appear to be fit for office out of all those people. And Ronald Reagan got shot and was obviously diminished toward the end of his <laughs> toward the end of his presidency. And literally, he seems <laughs> like he is basically in the same boat Reagan was in toward the end when you I don't remember seeing him a whole lot. But maybe maybe it's just me. Um, since Farnessa said, yes, he does. He sounds like someone that has had a stroke or had or has dementia. I, see, I thought it was just me. Um, <laughs> Sister Tila Nubia said, yes, he's the oldest and Mr. Trump is what he is. Yeah, you know, exactly. Um, and Brother Patrick said, uh, no, Jim Crow. Jim Crow Biden is the same demon he's always been. Yo, no, I don't. I mean, he, I don't think he's changed like his personality. I just think his cognitive cognitive abilities are diminished. Now, I mean, he hasn't changed who he is. It's just a matter of um, I don't think he's as Muhammad Ali would say, not the man you used to be. Um, so let's look at the next story because I don't actually remember what this one. Oh. Here we go. My bad. Yep, 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 yep. Here we go. And this one here, critics slammed Biden administration's reported plan to monitor vaccine misinformation in text messages. Y'all tell me whether or not I'm reading this correctly. And this is from Fox News. Not surprising. Um... Let me take this off screen and so everyone can see. It says a recent report revealed that the Biden administration has plans to work with tech companies and SMS carriers to monitor and combat misinformation, which was immediately met with skepticism and criticism by Republican lawmakers. On Monday, Politico reported plans for the Biden administration to battle misinformation in regards to the COVID vaccine. The White House has decided to hit back harder on misinformation and scared scare tactics after Republican lawmakers and conservative activists pledged to fight the administration's stated plan to go door to door. There you go, Lord Bell, to increase vaccination rates. Political wrote the pushback will include directly calling out social media platforms, which we've already seen, and conservative news shows that promote such tactics. Right. Uh, says. Biden allied groups, including the Democratic National Convention, are also planning to engage fact checkers more aggressively and work with SMS carriers to dispel misinformation about the vaccines that is sent over social media and text messages. Political reports. Um, and this says that Wait a minute. Okay, this is a different story, but this story says an MSNBC guest suggested the anti-vaxxer movement is white supremacists targeting people of color. And y'all let me know that y'all want me to look at that uh, report because I find that interesting. Now, we got a couple of things going on here. Lord Bell says that go against First Amendment um goes yeah unnecessary yeah it goes in first amendment unnecessary uh, also i think fourth amendment the fourth amendment does deal with um illegal search y'all correct me if i'm wrong i'm pulling this stuff up off the top of my head 
And since for this it's time for us to find alternatives to the phones. I mean, let, let's just let's digest this here. Let's let's process this. The president of the United States has a plan to one go door to door to make sure you take this vaccine. And then two, there's some type of way work with the phone companies to go into your phone to make sure you don't tell people anything negative about the vaccine. Does this sound like democracy? Like, if it, let's think about this, right? When I was growing up, uh, the Soviet Union still existed. Um, I guess the Soviet Union broke up in 88, I think. So, yeah, Soviet Union still existed for yeah, for a while, <laughs> actually. Um, and so, yeah. So, this literally sounds like something that Ronald Reagan would point out that one of the Soviet leaders was doing to suppress his people. Or even like a modern president pointing out that this is what Cuba is doing to suppress their people, right? But here we are in 2021 in America and they are talking about finding a way like this thing about how invasive this is they're talking about finding a way to monitor people's not just your social media which you know is one control company but to monitor monitor people's um text messages in some type of way, stop people from sharing information via text message in about a vaccine, which is supposedly something where people had the choice to take or not take. This is, I mean, y'all stop me if I'm if I'm overreacting here. To me, this seems completely insane. Completely insane. And it makes me think that not only are they knocking on people's doors to see whether or not someone's taking the vaccine, but simply they may be knocking on doors to see who's spreading information about what. Because if you can get into my phone and stop my text message or monitor my text messages, you can get into my phone and, and see my whole life. And not, not just me personally, but anybody. And the, the president of the United States so-called leader of the free world is advocating for this. And I really haven't seen like a whole bunch of outrage. Maybe I missed it or maybe the people missed it. I'm not sure. I thought the people missed it and that's why I'm doing the show. But this to me is in a word crazy. Uh, Brother BB48 man says Biden listlessness is proof that the U.S. presidency is a puppet position. Cognitive ability is not only not required, having it is detrimental. You know, brother, to your point, you know what I think about when I think about the president? I always think about, um, I always think about, what was that movie with Will Smith and the Aliens? Independence Day. Where, remember when the president was sitting up there and he was talking about, I think he did a press conference or he told somebody that aliens weren't real or whatever, or aliens hadn't come before. Whatever the case was, right? That's what he said. 
And then someone was like, well, Mr. President. And then that person went and showed him where that the Roswell thing was real and they found the alien. That's what I think about the president now. That's what I think of. I think that there's always somebody who's in an administration who knows way more than the president knows and that there are people keeping secrets from the president. So the president's just sitting up there talking with no knowledge of what's going on. And in reality, some whole other thing is happening behind his back. That's what I that's what I think of when I think about the president. Sure, it sounds crazy. And I know, and you know, and we know that the hats will tremendous power over most governments. And those that don't, they're trying to find a way to topple. That goes without saying. But this is not a hat lecture. This is a simply what is the Biden administration doing? I mean, we could go into the hats, but the what did, what did I say his title was? The second gentleman is a hat. I didn't even know that was a title. So that's Kamala Harris's uh, husband's title, the second gentleman, you know, just for trivial purposes. Um, so let me get back to this story. It says that uh, several Republican lawmakers reacted to the Biden administration's alleged plan. Now, suddenly the plan is alleged. Anyway, Biden's regime has announced they'll be working with SMS providers to stop vaccine, quote unquote, misinformation spread via text message. This is on the same day the White House said they support local officials who implement mandatory. Wait a minute, I didn't see that. Wait a minute, let me reread, let me reread that. That's, that's important. This is on the same day the White House said they support local officials who implement mandatory vaccines. No wonder they can't condemn communism. Representative Lauren Bobert of Colorado said. So uh, now people in Colorado, if y'all heard of her, I have no idea who that is. And that person could walk past me tomorrow and I wouldn't know who that is. Um, yeah, she's representative of Colorado. I, I never heard of her. And then it says, please tell me this is a typo. Representative Thomas Massey of Kentucky tweeted. And then Sen Senator Josh Hawley, it's amazing, I've never heard of half of these people, says, so now the Biden administration wants to get into people's text messages to force vaccine compliance and who knows what else? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that's an excellent, excellent point. Um, and let's see if there's anybody, any other useful information. It says several reporters also expressed disbelief and the Biden administration's planned. Says, sorry, just making sure I have this straight. The DNC now wants companies to release text messages for content. And Daily Caller contributor Vince Coglian Coglianese, I have no idea, Yorubu name. Uh, commentary associate editor and MSNBC contributor Noah Rothman tweeted, yes, we can allay the concerns of the excessively paranoid by tracking the content they send via text messages. So this idea is so bad that an MSNBC contributor thinks it's crazy. <laughs> I, you can't make this stuff up. Um, this is insane. I want to say it again. Uh, greetings to uh, K's Lawn Care. And if did I miss anybody else? Yeah, this is just crazy. 
Uh, you got ripped off. You saying the governor of Colorado is a hat? Um, this, 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 this stuff is just this stuff is just crazy. And Mr. Tulanuia says these things have always been bigger than the presidency. There are always people behind the curtain. Oh yeah, without question. But the fact that he feels let's think about this. This is an extremely bold statement to walk out and say, well, I guess I don't, yeah, I don't have a video of him saying it, but for anybody representing him, the press secretary, whoever said it, to walk out and say this, because let's be realistic, right? Let's, let's be completely honest. If Trump had walked out and said this, oh, I, it would have been no way that I could have missed this. It would have been all over, all the media. Everybody would have been talking about it and it'll in fact other republicans would have went after him but this one just kind of slid by now maybe maybe it's me maybe i haven't been paying attention well i admittedly haven't been paying attention that's why we're doing the show that's how i ended up going through the articles but i'm just letting you all know this is what they're planning and this is what this is their strategy, and this is what their belief is. And Sister Finesse says, I saw an article where over 9,000 healthcare workers, including doctors, are suing the CDC, World Health Organization, et cetera, et cetera, because they don't want it. They don't want to have people, oh, don't want to give people the jab. Yeah, I've I known people who, um, in fact, in fact, locally, there were healthcare workers who were against because they have to give it. When you when you work in healthcare, let me tell you something. When you work in healthcare, if you're against vaccines, you're not going to be working in healthcare long unless you like you're working in the office dealing with um, uh, billing and, and things like that. But you actually work in healthcare, like you deal with patients and things like that, nurse, doctor, um, X-ray techs, and all, all these other people. Yeah, <laughs> you you you're going to end up taking some type of vaccine that like that's most of the people. And I have family members working in healthcare. Um, most of the people I know, it's like this. That's kind of part of the job. And so for them to stand up against this particular vaccine, that was eye opening to me, because that means they know something that people don't know that other people don't know, because they haven't taken a stand as a collective against any other vaccine or any other um any other requirements of the job right because when you work in healthcare even before this when you work in healthcare you are uh you have a chance to be exposed to virtually every whatever disease exists in your country you have a chance to be exposed to it and of course you take precautions and you know you have equipment and everything like that but the reality of the situation is things do happen. People have been stuck with needles. People have been exposed to people with various diseases. Those things happen. You talk to anybody that works in a hospital, and you know, if they know you and they speak candidly, yeah, they will, <laughs> you know, it is what it is. So for people to take a stand against this particular thing is eye-opening to me. Um, so that is, you know, that's that story, right? Now, 
we have generally not been particularly dealing with black people, but the next couple of stories going to deal specifically with black people. And my goal was to do this in two hours or less because I do got other stuff to do. But as I read the stories more thoroughly and then I actually read them when I picked them out, they become more interesting. Now, this is a story I haven't heard anybody talk about. Like they kept this one on the hush hush. And go to Politico and it says, if I can bring it up, says Biden privately tells lawmakers not to expect much on reparations legislation. Now, this is back in June, beginning of June, June 2nd, 2021, right? Excuse me. And it says the president weighed in on race relations more bluntly than any of his predecessors during his speech Tuesday, but he also set expectations low for congressional action. Translation, the president is all talk and zero action, right? Now let's let's think about this. He's the president. He's a Democrat. The vice president is a Democrat. The House of Representatives is in control of Democratic hands. And I believe that, and someone correct me if I'm wrong, I believe that basically the Senate is like 50, 50, 51, 49. Cause I know there's some independent people in there like Bernie Sanders and some other people. They, and you know, a couple of those people can kind of vote either which way, but in the grand scheme of things, they kind of have the levers of power over everything. And yet Mr. Biden tells us that no, expect nothing. And what's interesting is he did this on, according to this, says that he said this uh, during the commemoration for the 100th anniversary of the Tulsa massacre. Cause I don't like to call it race riots because once they unarmed us, it weren't a race riot, it was a massacre, right? So let me get into the article real quick. It says Joe Biden was more blunt about racism than perhaps any president before him. It said perhaps, which means could be a lie. And many in the crowd expected in his remarks commemorating uh, 100 years since the Tulsa race massacre Tuesday. He called out how through the years there have been members in elected office who were very public about their associations or and or memberships within the KKK. This is true. All right. I give him that. All right. Told the truth on that one. Said in the parking lot of the Greenwood Cultural Center. Oh, who was Representative Cory Bush, Democrat from Missouri, said in the parking lot of the Greenwood Cultural Greenwood, excuse me, Cultural Center. He said up the scene in his speech to take us into what was happening at that time. And that was really powerful. I was so glad to hear it, says Cory Bush. Anybody familiar with Cory Bush? I have no idea who that is. Obviously, I need to really brush up on my politics because probably sound like an ignoramus saying that I don't know who any of these people are. But I'm telling the truth, I'm being completely candid. Says, but some attendees noted that they considered a glaring omission any mention of reparations for the survivors of the massacre and their descendants, some of whom have sued the city and state for compensation and a full-throated endorsement of H.R. 40. 
which would create a commission to study reparations. The bill passed out of the House Judiciary Committee in April for the first time since it was first introduced in 1989. I'm going to stop right there. I'm going to stop right there. This, uh, okay, Corey Bush is a black female from Missouri. Greetings, uh, Sister Misty. Okay, I did not know that. Um, 1989. <laughs> I mean, first of all, how many people, Thornville, were you, were you around in 1989? How many people were alive, were not alive in 1989? Put a one in the chat. They've been trying to pass the same bill since before I could vote. And as I like to say, I'm not young. Let's see, 89, the first Bush was in office. And you got ripped off says, well, where's Ice Cube at now demanding something? Silence. <laughs> I don't know. And Brother Crow says, HR 40 was first presented by John Conyers. Is John Conyers still alive? Like, y'all help me out. I, he's one of those people. My mother says I have a habit of, of just writing people off as being dead because I don't see him, which is the God's honest truth. Like, if I don't see people, <laughs> I just assume that they're no longer here. But John Conyers was old when I first knew who he was when I was a child. He was already old. So I don't know if he's still alive, but um, it's the same bill 30 years later. Um, Biden's biggest concern on an HR 40, Lawrence said, is getting it through the Senate. The bill also hasn't even been scheduled for a full floor vote in the House, where it has 188 co sponsors, which is interesting. Now, this is oh, now, hold on, let me go back. My bad, I, I skipped something. Pardon me. Says as a candidate, Biden said he supported a commission on reparations, which I don't ever remember hearing him say that, but it's entirely possible. It says, but the administration has yet to endorse the actual bill. After his speech Tuesday, the president met with members of the Congressional Black Carcass who brought up the need for H.R. 40, which is named after the 40 acres and a mule promise that now symbolizes the lack of support formerly enslaved people. Uh, no, let's correct that. Black people who were enslaved received from the federal government. Black people. Because if you're not clear, this stuff will get passed and then Chi Wang Lo and other people will be getting it for building railroads or whatever they did. So black people. According to those involved in the conversation, Biden <laughs> let them down gently. Oh my head. He didn't disagree with what we're doing, said Representative Brenda Lawrence. Democrat from Michigan, the second vice chair of the CBC, Congressional Black Caucus. Uh, he did talk about his plate being full with trying to get the infrastructure bill passed and that he really wanted to make sure he could get it through before he took on anything else. Right. And then it says about getting it through the Senate being an issue. Tuesday, and Tulsa illustrated the dichotomy that has come to define Biden's approach to issues of race and racial equity. 
No president has so forcefully called out the nation's sordid history. At the same time, Biden has downplayed the likelihood of legislative action, sidestepping calls for him to embrace rules, rules reform in the Senate to allow easier passage of relevant bills, in addition to expressing fear that H.R. 40 would die in the Senate behind the scenes. Biden also announced on Tuesday that he was handing off the voting rights portfolio to Vice President Kamala Harris. For the nearly all black crowd inside the cultural center, which included three remaining survivors of the massacre, descendants, local leaders, and activists, the Tulsa speech was a milestone. They watched and clapped as Biden went to detail about the massacre and drew a through line to issues, through line to issues black people still face today. Representative Hank Johnson, CBC Whip, said Biden's speech was meaningful for Tulsa and the country, adding most of America had absolutely zero knowledge of the greatest single atrocity to black people in this country. For him to use his pulpit to publicize what happened to them was, has to have been cathartic for them. I'm going to stop right there. So, we always talk about black people loving symbolism over substance. This is the definition of symbolism over substance. Biden came out. Someone wrote a speech for him. He read it beforehand, practiced it real good, said some stuff about um said some stuff about you know Negroes having a hard time and then Negroes cried and clapped. Have we not seen this so many times before? Right? Uh Patrick's time said Biden advocated for segregation and authored the nineteen racist nineteen ninety-four crime bill that Harris used to jail thousands of black Americans. Indeed, that is 100% correct. And you have jumped ahead of me as well. So I want us to think about this. He's not going to do, just keep it in your memory bank. Nothing is going to happen on reparations, according to Biden, as he don't think anything can happen because he doesn't have the will to push it. That's reality what it is. Because remember, HR 40 is basically a bill to study Reparation. It's not a bill to give reparation. Like there's no money attached to it. There's a commission. Like a commission could come back and say, hey, yeah, we need to do something, but we don't have the money for it. And it's over right there. So I just want just keep in mind, just hold that reparation start in your head, right? We're gonna go to the next article real quick. Because again, we're just checking. The Biden-Harris record, right? That's it. That's all. That's all we're doing. And then afterwards, we'll just come to a conclusion. Um, let me see if there's anything else important in this article. Uh, some okay. Hold up. Some somebody said. Let's see who is this. Uh, they said, I personally would have liked to hear the word reparations. I think he was very strategic in the words that he used. He used the word repair, said Nehemiah Frank, a descendant and founder of the Black Wall Street Times in Tulsa. 
if you want to pull people together, you can't fully help. If you want to pull people together, you can't fully help black people. That's how I feel about it. If you want to make black folks happy, you're going to piss off a lot of Americans. That is true, which means if this person is correct, because they're saying that if you do something for black people, that other people are going to get mad. Then by definition, the president in his first term will not do anything for black people. If this person's analysis is correct. And I believe this person's analysis is correct because literally. Right. Is that not the excuse that that uh, uh, Obama used? Like, oh, man, no, we can't do nothing because, you know, they wouldn't let me and blah, 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 blah. But he had no problem doing something for other people, which we're going to get to after this article. Um, and then Oklahoma State Representative Regina Goodwin, a descendant of survivors of the Tulsa race massacre, who has been fighting for reparations in Tulsa for decades, says she would have been pleasantly surprised if Biden had mentioned reparations in speech, but wasn't really expecting it. She added she spoke with Biden about a range of issues privately, including HR 40, and he reiterated to her we're in talks. That means you translate that from Euro language to our language. That means we ain't going to do nothing. He says, look, it was not in the speech, but he was gracious enough to be here. He was gracious enough to take the steps. He was open to the conversation. A lot more than I can say for some folks. So she's giving him credit for showing up. I mean, okay. <laughs> okay. Um, Dryson Heath, a researcher for Human Rights Watch, says she, she, I would say she left immediately after Biden's speech out of frustration for the lack of discussion on reparations. This was not a celebration that people are mourning. Every day counts for these survivors. And I think that people just play games with pe black people's lives too much. It was it's not enough to just come in here and say words and reiterate, reiterate the truthful narrative. Last year, he published a report on reparations for survivors of the massacre, saying it could and should serve as a test case for a larger federal reparation study or program. Uh, she says, this is a huge national and, and global moment. Everyone, everybody's looking here. So why not start a process for the precedent? Why not make Tulsa a precedent for reparations nationally? Why not commit to signing H.R. 40 into law? Why not commit to establishing an H.R. 40 reparations commission if the legislative avenues fail? Why not sign an executive order if that's the case? Reparation for black people in America has been politically fraught and risky topic for Democrats for decades, though Republicans have essentially never wavered from their opposition. But activists say they have no they have reason to remain hopeful, even as the issue moves at a snail's pace in Congress. I find that interesting that what reason they have to remain hopeful. A political morning consult poll from earlier this year found that just 38 percent of voters supported a committee to study reparations. Uh, but they claimed that 60% of Democrats supported the formation, while 74% of Republicans opposed it. That does not line up to 38%. And if it does line up to 38%, then how did Mr. Biden win the election? But that's another story. So at least Black people were there and were aware that... Um, <laughs> you know, basically a flim flam, you know. Um, Sister Farnessa says, 
that Joe and Kamala won't get another term. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if Mr. Biden is um, declared unfit and then she just gets the thing automatically. But, you know, who really knows uh, what will happen in the future? So um, that's that story. That's the reformation story. I wanted to bring that out because I didn't see anybody talking about it. I was going to make a short form video, but I was like, ah, you know what? Let's put all this stuff into one show. Again, keep in mind the whole reparations thing. Because basically, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, he came out, gave the Negro some words, and he's not going to do anything. So no money for us. So let's look and see who there will be money for. And we look and the next article. And what do we have here? Biden bats funding more police to fight crime wave. I'm just going to let y'all absorb that in your minds real quick. More police. Not less police, but more police. Says President Joe Biden has unveiled a plan that includes funding more police to combat a nationwide surge in homicides, which he blamed on lax gun control. Keep that in mind. He said officials in high crime areas can hire more enforcement personnel using coronavirus relief funding. So they're going to take the money that they got for coronavirus relief and use it to hire more police to shoot more black people. Right? <laughs> you can't make this stuff up. I'm not going to lie. When I actually heard this, I thought I was like, somebody lying. That doesn't make sense. Because remember, Part of the Democratic base push was to what defund the police mean, take money from the police, right, and put it into other programs. And they said that that would help them crime. I never thought that was going to happen. What I'm saying, there were people who advocated for Joe Biden who swore up and down that this was the case. But yet here we are. What, six months into his presidency and he's calling for more police and to take the money that's already been allocated and use it for police. Mr. Biden's crime fighting strategy calls for curtailing rogue gun dealers and firearms trafficking. I find that hard to believe because I believe that some of the people doing that are the government. So <laughs> he's saying that the government's going to stop the government from selling guns. Have at it. Good luck with that. Republicans are depicting Mr. Biden's Democrats as weak on crime and calls by left wingers to defund the police, which is hilarious. They're saying that he's weak on crime because the Democrats were talking about defunding the police, but he's talking about giving more money to the police. I mean, it's it's, it's a dog and pony show. It's absolutely ridiculous. Uh, announcing his five point strategy at the White House on Wednesday, the president urged cities and states to use. $350 billion, that's more than a third of a trillion for funding of funding from a COVID-19 relief bill on public safety efforts, including more police officers, even beyond pre-pandemic levels. Now, let's watch this part real quick. So that means more police officers, more nurses, more counselors, and more social workers or community violence interrupters to help resolve issues before they escalate into crime. 
Some members of Mr. Biden's party have amplified calls by Black Lives Matter activists to defund the police. Though the president himself has resisted the slogan, obviously, which is unpopular with most voters. Mr. Biden, who was a senator, who as a senator, wrote the 1994 crime bill, widely blamed for mass incarceration of black people, said on Wednesday, this is not a time to turn our backs on law enforcement in the community. We're going to stop right there. Now, realistically, if you know Mr. Biden's record, which they just talked about, why should we be surprised at all that the person who is largely responsible for locking up lots of black men my age and keeping them locked up is calling for more police. But yet the people who voted for him and the activists who went out and organized for him, right, claim that they wanted people to defund the police, but he's going to fund the police even more than when he started. And I had an article, no, it was a video. I had a video where somebody was talking about how ridiculous it is, some, some European female, but it was so long, I didn't, I didn't have time to, well, actually I had time, but I just didn't want to feel like editing and chopping it down to get to the, the nitty gritty of it. But I think the art, I mean, the article was clear. The same person, I just want y'all to think about this. The same group of people who were talking about defund the police got people to vote for the guy that wrote the 94 crime bill. And now as soon as he gets in office, he's talking about more funding for the police, even though they claim they were against, they were for defunding the police. You can't make this stuff up. You can't make this stuff up. But the reason I had to do the show is because I wanted people to see what they're voting for. Because I don't have to convince or educate or anything black people to be against Trump. Trump exists. Trump's been around seemingly forever. People remember, if you're a certain age, you remember the whole New York, uh, I forgot what they call it, but the, the whole New York Five case. I can't. Brother Patrick, help me out with the actual name of the case. Everybody remember what Trump said and all this stuff. Hey, people know people know Trump. People, most people don't like Trump. You don't have to convince anybody about Trump. Here, these same people were telling telling us, those of us who are like, hey, this Biden dude is dangerous. This Biden dude has a history. This Biden dude is not for black people. Kamala Harris is not black. People want to argue with us about her being black. She's not black. And yet, here we are. Mr. Biden funding the police. While representing the people who claim they want to defund the police. That's why we're doing the show. Because we're just looking at the record. That's all we're doing. We're not judging it yet. We're just looking at the record. I just wanted to go over some things that people, I know people, 
weren't paying attention to. Central Park Five case. Thank you, Brother Patrick. I I knew. Thank you. Um, and you can make the argument that Trump's uh, incendiary remarks and that article that he wrote made it even worse. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Made it even worse than what it would have been. And then, of course, they were exonerated years later, and they were children at that time. Like literally, like most of the most of them brothers, I think around the same around the same age, we're from the same generation. You know, like literally, could have been me. Um, let's see. Taylor Newby says, "Come on, brother. There were a lot of our own people who advocate for that crime." But I don't remember that. I don't. I don't remember that. Um, and could not. It could and also could not have come. Become law without Republican votes. Oh yeah, but this is the whole thing. If you didn't know who wrote it, it would sound like a Republican bill. And you know, now you have to put yourself in the context of what was going on in the nineties and things like that. Oh, there was definitely crime and things going on, and there were definitely some people who were uh, who would have advocated for it. But it, again, at the same time, there were people in the community who were doing the work to try to stop and lower the crime rate, organize, right? Organized black people who were in the black community, but they defunded those people, right? Because the Nation of Islam had contracts working in certain cities, but Peter King came and defunded that so that black, so that black men couldn't get paid in order to do work in their community to save lives of black people. So that whole thing is irrelevant. It's always Negro. It's always Negroes in our community. I don't care about Negroes. The problem is as black people, black people have never done what we need to do to Negroes, which is why they keep putting Negroes in front of us. I mean, Al Sharpton is a whole confidential informant and he represents black people. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? He's a whole confidential informant. He's a CI. He works for the FBI and has for decades. And yet he runs out there speaking for black people. That's all I'm saying. So we got some more. We're not quite finished yet. All right. So next story. I, I want y'all, while we're talking about all this, still keep keep the reparations thing in mind. Can't do nothing about reparations. Can't can't do nothing. Can't do nothing about that. You Negroes are just going to have to uh, make do. Right? That's what he told us. But you can get something for the police. Who else can Mr. Biden give you something for? Here we go. Uh, This will be a human rights campaign. President Joe Biden's pro-LGBTQ timeline and we're just going to go over the highlights and or lowlights and actually this this is actually longer than i thought okay so let's go back let's go back let's go back let's go back 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 y'all see how long this is right (laughs) let's go back so he came in the office on the he came in the office on the the 19th or the 20th I can't remember. Anyway, January 
2021. So within days of him being off. Executive order implementing the Bostock decision. What's the Bostock decision? On day one, President Biden issued the most substantive, wide-ranging LGBTQ executive order in U.S. history, extending protections against discrimination on the basis of sexual orientation and gender identity. The executive order affirmed the Supreme Court's decision in Bostock versus Clayton County, which secured workplace protections and applied the holding of the court to laws prohibiting discrimination in housing, education, health care, and credit. By the way, this, and it wasn't intentional, this part leads directly into tomorrow's video. Be sure, be sure, think about tomorrow's video, or to watch tomorrow's video. That's January 20th. Not one, but two things, January 20th, on day one. Equity orders on racial equity and support for underserved communities. Now, let's think about this. What does this say? This says racial equity. But what is this? This is says his LGBTQ platform. Think about that. Think about that. President Biden issued an executive order advancing racial equity and support for underserved communities through the federal government, explicitly including LGBTQ people within the measures. This isn't a, this isn't a racial equity bill. This is a homosexual bill, masked as a racial equity. I mean, not bill, but uh, executive order. The executive order includes a commitment to ensuring equitable access to government programs, engagements with underserved communities, and the creation of an interagency working group on equitable data. This. All this stuff had been in place for quote unquote people of color. This is not for this is not for no underserved communities, for homosexuals. So homosexual bill masked as a racial bill, right? Next, the next day. So he did two things for them on one day. One more the next day. Now remind you, this is within two days of being elected, right? January 21, Trump ban on diversity training revoked. President Biden revoked a former Trump order that banned federal agencies, contractors, and recipients of federal funding from conducting certain diversity training on race and sex that had implications for training on sexual orientation and gender. I want you to notice how much they're trying to interlink racism and the opposition to homosexuality and try to equate them as the same thing. Trump had a ban on diversity dealing with homosexuals. They say that it's a racial issue. Then the next day, Dr. Jill Biden visits Whitman Walker Clinic, which is a um, clinic here in DC. Yeah, it was says here one of the foremost LGBTQ clinics and provides and clinics and health providers for those living with AIDS and HIV, right? Um, next, <laughs> Department of Justice reversal of Trump era memorandum designed to limit most implementation. So everything that Trump did that was against the LGBT, he literally is coming behind him and revoking it. 
January 25th, repeal of the ban on transgender military service. This is a Trump era thing. Within his first week in office, President Biden followed through on his promise to repeal the discriminatory ban on transgender people serving openly in the military and established an estimated 15,000 members were impacted by the policy enacted under Trump. So as much as we can talk about Trump, Trump bans homosexuality, Biden comes in, implements homosexuality. That's the way this is going so far. Remember, all this is the first week. It says, let's see what this one is. It says, global gag rule rescinded. President Biden signed an executive memorandum to immediately rescind the so-called Mexico City policy, also known as the global gag rule, a decades-old policy barring international nonprofits from receiving U.S. funding if they provide abortion counseling or referrals. You know what? That's interesting. If you if anyone's ever seen um oh man what is the the is a doc somebody made a documentary on abortion and they talked about how oh my bad I got something on my screen I don't know what happened and I don't want I wouldn't take it off my screen um but as I was saying as I try to get this off the screen. Um, have you ever seen that film? And I've been distracted while I'm trying to get this off. They talked about how in these countries, these black owned, these mostly black countries, so-called countries of color, whatever you want to call it, they, uh, they push abortion and, and birth control regardless of what's taking place in the situation. So whatever that country has going on, one of the things they do, they always push birth control, right? So this is interesting that this comes up and it comes up as a LGBTQ issue. But there is a connection there that I will get into a little bit tomorrow if you watch the video tomorrow, right? So, so far, we see how many things that he has for um, LGBTQ people, right? Let's see, what else do we have? Pete Buttigieg, however you say his name, was confirmed by the Senate with a vote of 86 to 13 to become the next transportation secretary. He is now the first openly gay LGBTQ cabinet member confirmed by the senate uh next memorandum on protecting rights of lgbt y'all know what it is <laughs> them people abroad president biden issued a memorandum aimed at protecting the rights of lgbtqi people that a letter i've never seen that one worldwide this memorandum comes at a time when same-sex relations are still criminalized in 69 countries and same-sex conduct being punishable by death in nine. So basically, that's a memorandum saying that they're going to protect um, homosexuality in other countries. Let's think about that. February 9th, 2021, President, I mean, excuse me, Press Secretary Saki, I guess that's how you say her name, affirms trans rights are 
human rights. During a daily press briefing, Press Secretary Jen Psaki, y'all help me out if I'm mispronouncing her name, received a question regarding the administration's stance on transgender students in participating in sports. Psaki made the presidential position clear. Trans rights are human rights. Uh, the next day, Biden-Harris administration announced it would halt implementation of a discriminatory Trump-era rule under the Department of Health and Human Services. The rule would have permitted discrimination against LGBTQ people, religious minorities, which I'm not sure who that would be, and women in programs related to foster care, adoption, HIV, STI prevention, youth homelessness, so forth and so on. So I want to establish a pattern here. The pattern is everything Trump did to curtail homosexuality. Everything Trump did to curtail homosexuality. Biden went behind him and reversed it. I'm not saying you should like Trump. I'm just saying everything. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? That Trump did. Now, all of this is within the first, from the 20th to the 10th. Because the, the list goes way on and on. And I, I don't know how much of it I'll go through. But in the first two or three weeks, he did more for LGBT, etc. than he has done for black people up to this point. I can't say what he will do in the future. I can't say what Kamala Harris will do. I can't say what anyone else would do. Um, okay, political legacy. You can report it for false information, but I'm showing the documentation right here in front of you. So you are a liar. You got ripped off. You can send political political legacy back to wherever they came from. So within two weeks, he has done more for homosexuals, transgenders, and all these other people. And I don't know what the I is for. If anybody know what the I is for, y'all feel y'all help me out. Like they have they have so many letters now that I don't even know what the stuff means. Meanwhile, he went and gave black people a speech. A speech. We had a speech. And will and a will talk about it when it comes to reparations, which is to be completely honest, reparations may well be the only, literally, the only, it's probably two things that all black people in America agree on. Rep, we want reparations. The police are a problem. Regardless of people's religion, regardless of people's uh, um, political background, regardless of people's economic class, regardless of any of that, the two things that black people can agree on the most is we deserve reparations because we do. Ain't no doubt about that. I'm, I'm not even debating that issue with anyone. And the police are and have been a problem. And these issues, these two issues, have been issues since the minute slavery officially ended. 
because the minute slavery ended, the police became a problem. Right. And on those two issues. Biden said more police, which at that point, you might as well vote for Trump. I'm sure Trump would advocate for more police, too. You know what I'm saying? I have no, that like that's literally the Trump position. So he advocated for more police and more homosexuality. Or right? So what's the you're dealing with the two-headed snake? The difference is this head of the snake is gonna bite us and our children with homosexuality and pedophilia. Period in the discussion. And Trump would just bite us with more police. <laughs> this, is, this is where we are. And we have that was six, we have three and a half more years of this. Right? So um let's go through a couple more things to see what else we got here. Let's see, let's see, let's see. Um, February 11th, Fair Housing Act enforced to protect LGBTQ people. That speaks for itself. February 19th, President Biden encourages passage of the Equality Act. After reintroduction of the Equality Act in the House, President Biden shared his support for the legislation and called on Congress to swiftly sign it into law. The Equality Act would create sweeping protections for LGBTQ people in housing, education, health care, and more. The White House later put out its official statement of administrative policy supporting this legislation. So, he has an entire act for LGBTQ, but there's no legislation strictly for Black people in America. Let's move forward. Department of Veterans Affairs expands support for trans veterans. It's February 23rd. Um, Executive order on gender equality in Title IX. Let's see. (laughs) Yeah, I forgot about this. March 24th. Dr. Rachel Levine, y'all know what type of name Levine is, confirmed as Assistant Secretary for Health at the Department of Health and Human Services. By the way, if you do not know why this is up here, it's because Levine is a man living as a woman. And it says, it's According to the Human Rights Campaign, it says, their tweet says, trans people are leaders, innovators, and change makers, and they deserve a seat at every table. But they're definitely um, change makers. I give you that. Change a lot of things. Anyway, uh, March 30th, Secretary of State Blinken rejects conclusion of the Commission on Inalienable Rights. Uh, the Trump administration's findings within its commission on inalienable rights was trying to assert that some human rights took priority over others. The conclusion was an attempt to undermine efforts to strengthen the rights of LGBT. So basically, Trump's commission said that um, homosexuality is not an inalienable right. 
And then, of course, uh, Mr. Biden on March 31st says that transgender rights are human rights. I'm calling on every American to join me in uplifting the worth and dignity of transgender Americans. Together, we can stamp out discrimination and deliver on our nation's promise of freedom and equality for all. This was apparently on the Trans Day of Visibility. Uh, here it says, April 23rd, President Biden announces historic nominations to the Department of Defense. Biden Harris administration announced plans to nominate two LGBTQ officials within the Department of Defense. Sean Skelly will be nominated Assistant Secretary of Defense for Readiness and previously made history as the first trans veteran appointed by a U.S. president under who else? Barack Obama. Brenda Sue Fulton, a lesbian West Point graduate and former Army officer, will be nominated for Assistant Secretary of Defense for Manpower and Reserve Affairs. <sighs> we haven't even got to the summer. And here it is. I just, I mean, the list was so long. I, I've had enough. Speech for itself. You know, the the onslaught that we've been facing that we talk about often. This administration has taken every opportunity, every opportunity, right, to push this agenda. Before the uh, war report, I didn't see you in. Yeah, yeah, Dr. Levine is a hat, brother, indeed. Every opportunity they had to take apart everything that Trump's people did to curtail homosexuality. They've dismantled. You, you can argue, debate all you want. Literally everything they said is to repeal the Trump administration's thing of XYZ. Everything. Because this is what this is, this is one thing that people don't understand about Trump. Trump's a white supremacist. Trump's a white nationalist. Trump's a misogynist. But Trump believes in America. And he wants America as strong as possible. And he doesn't believe that putting trans and all this other stuff, people in charge of your military, is going to make your military strong enough to fight against China because he believes China is a threat. He also believes other people are a threat. He, believe, he believes everything south of the, the border of Texas is a threat. Right? That's just how he thinks. These people are the exact opposite. They don't care because they're completely within the hat agenda on this part. Trump owes the hats personally. It's a it's a different dynamic and it's a different set of hats. It's a long story. G, Brother Jenny's covered it. But this onslaught and this, this 
not only this part, but the part that leads to the destruction of black men, which is what Kamala Harris's job is. What that song say? You ain't seen nothing yet. <laughs> we this stuff that we this stuff that I just went over. This is the beginning. We haven't seen anything. It's gonna get way worse than this. And unfortunately, by the time they're done with this four years, it won't matter. As far as for this agenda, it won't matter who else is elected. There'll never be another person elected that will oppose this in any way, shape, or form. This is about necessary. Bathhouse Brave is doing the most. I don't know if he was doing the most because if he was doing the most, these people catching up with him really, really, really quick. Because they've been, I mean, when I went through this stuff, I was like, okay, I see this, I see this, I see this. But then when I saw it, I was like, wait, 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 wait. This thing is way beyond. Like they, the whole, the whole regular gay thing that they way beyond that. They, they to the transgender thing and move, moving beyond that. Meanwhile, black people get a speech. And I mean, we can't even get a committee. He wrote, he got executive orders written all over the place for LGBT. We can't even, we can't even get a committee on reparations. And he called for more police, but there was no, nothing attached to that as far as you have to earn this by uh, not killing people, per se. And it was, I did not bring an article up. I didn't, I didn't know that he said that, but Biden said in regards to like police brutality, police murder, he said that maybe the police should just start shooting people in the leg. That's his solution for police killings. Train police shoot people in the leg. You can look it up. I know it sounds ridiculous. Sounds like something I made up. I heard. <laughs> I saw it. I thought it was a joke. I had to go look at multiple articles. He actually said that last year. So LGBT gets rights. We get shot in the leg. Which beats getting shot in the head, but still. And they get more money to learn how to shoot us in the leg. That's, that's where we are. This is the Biden-Harris record after six months. So what I find interesting, and y'all, y'all tell me, y'all man, anyway. I haven't, uh, oh, Brother Crow said the eyes intersects. Okay, thank you. I missed that. I haven't seen a lot of people. Um, I haven't seen a lot of black people really advocating for um, Biden and Harris lately. Y'all tell me if the same enthusiasm that people had, that is, that is, um, has that changed? Like if y'all knew people that were for, because the thing that I got when the election was going on, more people were just against Trump than were for Biden. But what I found interesting is that um, when you talk to people, right, 
they would defend the Biden record, even though they weren't enthusiastic about him necessarily. But they would defend the record. You talk about the crime bill. You know, I've heard some people try to <laughs> dismiss that. You know, they hit you with the old, it was a long time ago. Everything's a long time ago, depending on how old you are. And, you know, and make excuses for them and whatever the case may be. But lately, I haven't seen people with that same enthusiasm. So, you know, this gives people this gives people some information and some things to think about. Just in case there's anybody who's still gung-ho on Kamala and Jim Crow Joe and their vaccine push and their transgender push and their more police push and all this stuff that we've seen. And this is just the first six months. We got a lot more trouble coming down the pipe. So, um, yeah, watch it. <laughs> I guess you got to watch your text messaging. I guess, um, I guess they'll be trying to people who use other services besides their main text messages. I guess that that those things will be under attack next because they don't want people to they don't want people to spread any message counter to what they're saying about vaccines at all by any means because he's willing to come out the tech companies which means that some deal has already or some excuse me some deal has to already be in place because tech companies wield a lot of power and you can't just come at them like that without there already being some deal you know what I'm saying? It's just, it's just no way. It's just no way. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Because I know I missed some people. Um, says, a uh, war report says, in all fairness, China is a threat on many levels. Without question, China is definitely a threat. To black people and y'all know you ever seen my lecture you know what i think about those folks <laughs> that's, that's all i'm gonna say you know what i think about those folks you know what i think about everybody um reward report says i remember growing up in kentucky oh you grew up in kentucky oh grew up in kentucky courts this stuff wasn't tolerated now gays a new black yeah um did God, I can't wait for y'all to see that video no more. <sighs> you know, a lot of stuff will be explained in that video. You know, as far as that. As this, what we're witnessing, I'll put it like this. The power of organizing and sustained organization. The Weirdly enough, the best example of that, that we have in the last 40 years in America is LGBT. Now, they have an advantage because the LGBT and the hats happen to be the same people, <laughs> right? So there's much, you know, there's money and funding and stuff they're able to get that. So they have an advantage. 
but the ability to organize along a platform and set those goals forward and to reach each one of those goals is something that black people could learn from. And in reality, you really can study in the hats when you study that, being completely honest. Because they're behind the whole thing. But when you look at it, you see the video tomorrow, you see what I'm talking about, you see the history, you'll understand how in a sustained, organized attack can break down a society, which we're in the midst of this society collapsing as we speak. Because the fact of the matter is, no matter what anyone says, if you have, you get to the point where black men and black women, or men and women in general, really men and women in general, let me correct myself, my bad. You get to the point where men and women in general are having trouble forming families, which is the base unit of a society. And you're having trouble where you have a 50% or over or greater divorce rate. You have a large children out of wedlock rate. You have children growing up without the mother and father, which causes imbalance in behavior. If that's sustained over a large period of time, your society cannot maintain. Now, the funny thing is, of course, Black people are the ones who are under attack first, and we're further along in it. We're being more affected by it. But the Euros are now falling victim to it. They're, they're suffering from what we're suffering from. And, you know, the whole, um, what is that stuff? What's the drugs that they're on? The whole oxy cotton and all what do they call those drugs y'all y'all help me out they're suffering from that the way we suffer from um the whole crack epidemic which we know the crack i got i, I got maybe i gotta do a show on this one day the whole crack epidemic like we've never really analyzed that properly in my opinion the we're here talking be oh before they seven 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 nine three eleven um, but the connection between Reagan, Bush, Clinton, and the whole CIA crack epidemic has, I've never seen anybody fully, um, break that down and show that connection between them and show, <laughs> And show the effect on black people. Like we we know the effect on black people because we lived it. But um, yeah, that's something that that's something we really gotta investigate. And something I've never, and if anybody has a good book or documentary or anything as far as like the guns that come to the black community, that's something I've been trying to research and get into for years. Like there's been stories of of uh um trains full of guns being left in places like Chicago, uh, LA. You know, the, those are the two city, main cities I've heard about. I've never heard about that in in like New York. Don't mean it's not happening. I'm saying I haven't heard about it, but I heard, I've heard people specifically from Chicago and 
New York, I mean, not New York, from Chicago and L.A., excuse me, talk about literal trains. They trains run through the community. Trains are stopped. The side of the train cars open and inside that are crates of guns. Something you never hear about. So it's interesting when Biden talks about gun uh, dealers and things like that, because I, I wonder, you know, what, you know, how they plan to attack that. And how they know who has the who has the guns, because was that wasn't that wasn't that Obama's administration where they had sold some guns to some drug dealers or whatever, and they, or they sold some guns to some, they were trying to do a sting. They sold some guns. The guns end up in the hands of some drug dealers. The drug dealers end up killing some DEA agents. That happened, right? I'm not. I'm not making that up. Y'all help me out. So, um, you know, so it's a lot for people to digest and a lot for people to see. But I just wanted to just bring this to people's attention on what they had voted for, because one thing that happens in politics is, regardless of who you vote for. This is the thing about American government. After you vote for the people, you don't have any power to actually do anything. Open your ears. Thank you, system. Biden is not a hat, but he is a. It's just that Biden not a, Biden is not a hat, but Biden is a Zionist, and he said it. Just gotta watch one of my lectures for that one. Yeah, I got documentation of him saying it publicly. So he, he's an honorary hat, according to him, not according to me. But yes, it's open yours. Yeah, they're going through the opioid thing now, like we went through crack thing. But yeah, so the reality of the situation is, as we know, we can't depend on any of these people to do the right thing by black people. But there are black people who still believe in the system. And in order for them to not believe in the system, documentation of what's going on in their name by the people that they voted for has to be put forth in order for them to understand what's going on. Right? That's why I did the show. So, before I leave here, again, on the 21st of August, 7th Annual Straight Black Pride Convention, which will be at 9185 Central Avenue, Capitol Heights, Maryland, Two zero seven four three, and this will feature four speakers, including Michael Grays, Baba Otunji, Brother Louis Ali, and Brother Darren Muhammad. And there will be some words from Brother Jeannie and myself. And again, the tickets are. Tickets are, let me get this right, $25 via the event, right? $35 at the door. So, again, if you are on the East Coast, you don't want to miss that. And I will be speaking on the Monday after that Saturday event. And last but not least, don't forget to hit the like button. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Again, you can follow me on Instagram at dc.radical, the number one, on Twitter at dc underscore radical underscore O-N-E, 
the cash app is dollar sign dc radical one this is the youtube capital d small c radical one and email is dc.radical underscore one at protonmail.com and also you can follow me on otw2 at dc.radical1 all capitalized letters be sure to check out the video it will premiere tomorrow at 8 p.m i will probably be watching it as it premieres myself so if you send me a shout out through the chat i plan at least right now to be there to speak to those who come through again don't forget to like share and subscribe thank everybody for listening thank everybody that spreads the message thank everybody that donates via the cash app and with that i say a bb for hodier and straight black pride look it up Blood individual thanks for keeping the lights on dn on the wake up so here it is y'all are you tired of being censored shadow banned shit are you just tired of creating content and making these platforms famous well i'm asking you to support otw2 it's the black youtube why you may say because our content is important and necessary and because anytime we tell the truth they shut us down on their platform so we are behind enemy lines, so we cannot complain. We just gotta move accordingly, smarter. So since we know many of our people won't just jump ship and go to a black site, what I'm telling you to do is don't post everything that is great on their platform. Give them purge people a 10 second snippet, a 15 second snippet, and make them come to OTW tube and come check you out. Support black things or stop complaining. There's only unity, black unity, and black economics can change our situation. Wake up, y'all. OTW tube is where it's at.